Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing's podcast number 113 on April 27th of 2023. Today, I'll be answering five questions received in the last week. Question number one. I am struggling to pick more stocks. I now have TD, BNS, BCE, FTS, CWB, and MFC, and a few ETFs. I stay away from oil and gas as much as possible, so it rules out things like ENB. Can you give me some ideas or insights by identifying which companies you have in your portfolio? I have considered owning every stock on your list. Some I do own. However, the objective of what I am trying to achieve with my books and podcasts would be lost if I listed the 20 to 30 stocks in the various portfolios that I manage. My objective is to give investors confidence in the stocks that they have carefully researched. To copy other investors' portfolios or to act in rumors and stock tips without research is dangerous. There are no shortcuts. You are urged to use the research tools and methods described in my books to build your portfolio of safe, financially strong stocks, consistently paying ever-increasing high dividends in tandem with their increasing share prices. The reason I provide the scoring software with the investment books is so that at any time you can score any stock that you encounter. Once you have the stock scored, you are then able to sort any list of stocks from the most to the least desirable. You can see in the 11 subscores that make up a stock's grand score where the strength and weakness of that stock are. While recognizing there is not a perfect stock, it is always up to you to measure the stocks you are considering and deciding which ones you believe will increase your wealth and provide you with a reliable, growing dividend income. Interestingly, five of the big six stocks on your list are listed on both the Toronto Stock Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange. CWB, the Canadian Western Bank, is only listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. I do not own it, but after scoring it, I am impressed with what the numbers tell me. It scored 63 which, while lower than the six largest Canadian bank scores, is a strong score. When I scored the big six in my last two investment books, New York Stock Exchange's 106 Best High Dividends and the Canadian High Dividend Handbook, the bank scored as follows. TD, Toronto Dominion Bank, scored 69. RY, Royal Bank of Canada scored 73, 
Stock symbol BNS, Bank of Nova Scotia, scored 72. CM, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, scored 69. BMO, Bank of Montreal, scored 74. And NA, National Bank, scored 69. Scores go up and down over the years. The highest score I have ever scored was for one of these big six banks. It scored 78. Very few stocks score over 70. Looking at the subscores for the Canadian Western Bank, you can instantly see that its greatest strength is a stock's book value to its current share price. You are in the position of buying a stock at $23.46 with a book value of $29.81. Its other great strength is its dividend yield of 5.46%. The price-to-earnings ratio of 6.9 is also outstanding. When you look at historical records, you see its dividend payout is the highest it has ever been even though its share prices dropped by almost half since November of 2021 when its share price stood at $41.43. Even during the 2008 and 2020 market crashes, the dividends remained solid and the share prices quickly rose to new record highs after each crash. It paid its first dividend of one cent in 1993 when its share price was trading at $1.10. It was first listed in 1988 at $1.25. The increase in interest rates has impacted all bank share prices. Like all things, this inflation phase will also pass. I found it interesting that you've avoided ENB, Enbridge, which is also traded on both the New York Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange. Although it is not a bank, its score of 57 is quite acceptable, as is its dividend yield percent of 6.64%. While its share price fluctuates, its highest share price was $63.06 in 2015. For someone who lives off their dividend income, it is interesting that it has increased its quarterly dividend payout by at least three cents each year since 1988 when the first payout was six cents. It is now paying out a dividend of 89 cents per share. Even though the 2000, 2008, and 2020 market crashes, the payment never faltered. In 2020, the dividend payouts were $0.81 cents each quarter, while in 2008, they were $0.17, cents, and in 2000, they were $0.08. Cents. Transmitting natural gas in its pipelines from Alberta to eastern Canada and the United States makes it a utility company rather than a natural resource company. While 
I tend to avoid commodity companies because of their financial health, usually depends on world place fluctuations. A utility company adds stability to a dividend portfolio. Enbridge has a monopoly on the supply of gas in the areas it serves. Monopolies are hard to come by in investing. They can raise prices whenever their gas suppliers increase their prices. Those gas consumers who wish to keep warm in the winter must accept the price increases. In times when gas prices are lower, the revenues will decline, but they are still able to maintain their profit margins. It is from their profits that the dividends are paid. The dividend payout increases help protect a dividend income from inflation. Portfolios are strengthened when the industries represented in its stocks are diversified. I own no ETFs. I want to know exactly what I am invested in and I want to be able to score my investment. I cannot do this with an ETF. To me, ETFs are fuzzy investment vehicles designed to make the management companies and the investment advisors rich. It is so much easier to sell something that you can promote as the answer to an investor's dreams without providing the specific facts needed to really judge or score that investment. Once the ETFs have your money, they can invest it wherever and whenever they wish, no matter how small their management fees may seem to appear, you can never be certain about how the money is being sloshed around. Many investors see ETFs as an excellent way to diversify their wealth and save them the aggravation of carefully selecting stocks, monitoring them, and adjusting them. They like to believe that the promotional material painting a fund manager as an investment genius can be blindly trusted. When it comes to my money, I give blind trust to no one. I did once, and I lost $300,000. Question number two. What is the importance of a financial planner in our lives? What are the advantages of having a financial planner versus self-planning? I once had a financial planner. He was a fine fellow who owned an island with a lodge and three cottages on it. His clientele would be invited to his private resort every summer for a few days. Here, he would seduce you with expensive wines that he collected at wine auctions. His chef cooked incredible meals. He had told me when I engaged him that I would hardly notice his annual fee. When my portfolio had lost $300,000 after three years of his services, I realized there's no such thing as a free lunch. It was time for me to grow up and learn how to manage my own money. I felt sure I could not do any worse than what this professional had done. 
This experience taught me that I must know exactly what I am invested in, why I am invested in it, what it is costing me, and what my choices are if I need to make changes in my portfolios. Financial planners, advisors, consultants, or whatever they choose to call themselves, are not your friends. You are a customer, a client, and a source of income for them. Like any profitable business, their costs of generating revenue must exceed their expenses. No one is going to care as much about preserving and growing your wealth as you do. Professional money men are counting on your inertia, your indecision, and your fear of investing to allow them to nibble on your wealth. Don't disappoint them by educating yourself and becoming a self-directed investor. Question number three. How do I select the right stock for my portfolio? There is no right stock. There are stocks with more or less risk, and there are stocks with more or less potential. This is why you do not put all your money into any one stock. No one can accurately predict future share prices. I recommend that you spread your money equally among 20 to 30 stocks. No matter how wonderful you may think any one stock or investment might be. Oddly, what is more predictable than share prices is dividend payments. A company who has paid an ever-rising dividend payout for the last 10 or more years will most likely continue to pay an ever-increasing dividend. What is interesting is that companies who pay these rising dividend payouts are most likely to also have consistently rising share prices. Dividends are paid from profits, and profits come from the wise revenue and expense decisions made by the managers of the company. They decide on whether to pay a dividend and how much they should pay. It is a logical or strategic decision on their part. They are creatures of habit. The managers of such companies take great pride in beating the previous year's profits and revenue figures. Share prices are not set by anyone. They are the bidding interplay between optimists, who buy because they are sure that share prices are going up, and pessimists who sell because they are sure that share prices are going down. One buys out of greed, and the other sells out of fear. If the pessimist does not bid a low enough share price, then no one will accept the bid, and nothing will happen. With hundreds of millions of shares traded daily, it is unusual to see a profitable company whose shares do not trade. If you want to buy safe stocks that will grow and provide you with a reliable income, 
then the recommendation is to reject all stocks not paying dividends. This is the simplest way to recognize profitable stocks. From these stocks, you then sort them by price, by historical price trends, by historical dividend payouts, by dividend yield percent, by operating margin, by volume of shares traded, by price to earnings, and by analyst recommendations. To make it easy, use stock scoring software like the IDM software that comes with my investment books. It measures the qualities of stocks from 0 to 100. If you are after safe dividend income, you choose the highest scoring stock, paying the highest dividend yield percent. It is always a compromise between quality and income. I personally avoid stocks scoring under 50. Few stocks score over 70. Most stocks score under 50, and the worst score I've ever calculated scored an 8. From a portfolio of 20 carefully chosen dividend stocks, it is not difficult to realize a 6% annual dividend income while also realizing most years a capital gain in the total portfolio that exceeds 12%, despite taking out that dividend income. If you invest the dividend income back into those 20 stocks, you should expect to see the portfolio's value doubling within five years. This methodical approach is far, far from the thinking of speculators who treat the stock market like a casino, where if they choose the one special stock, they will become millionaires overnight. The result is that 90% of speculators supposedly lose money investing in the stock market. If you treat the stock market like a lottery, expect to get the same results as a lottery. A stock was recently brought to my attention that was scoring 71. While it is paying too low a dividend to go in my portfolio, it is an example of the kind of strong stock that shows steady, consistent growth year after year. Its share price in 10 years went from $36 to $622. Its dividend payouts went from $0.19 cents each quarter to $4.60 each quarter. Such stocks do exist if you look for them. Question number four. I am a 36-year-old, debt-free, and have 250000 in cash. How should I invest this money? First, you should identify the 20 financially strongest stocks you can find paying the highest dividends. I've written several reference books that detail such stocks. You then invest $50,000 in each of the five best financially strong stocks paying the highest dividends with long histories of ever-increasing share prices and dividend payouts. Charts going back for more than 25 years are easily available 
and various websites that supply this information. If you do not need any of the investment income realized in the foreseeable future, put the $250,000 in a tax-free retirement fund where you will not be taxed on the dividend income and capital gain until the money is taken out of the tax-free fund. You should be able to realize a dividend return of about 6% each year and see about a 12% capital gain from the share price gains. In five years, you should have doubled your investment. Within those five years, as you accumulate $50,000 in new dividend cash, you invest it in the sixth best stock you've identified and in the seventh as you accumulate more cash. By spreading your money over several stocks, you are protecting your portfolio from the odd stock that may not perform as well as they have historically. Your ultimate objective is to have 20 strong stocks with a value of $1 million. This could occur within 10 years if you keep investing your dividends. The next million dollars will come even quicker if you keep investing the dividends and do not reduce your capital. By the time you are 56 in 20 years, you should be financially independent and be able to stop working if that's what you want to do. It is important that you do this as a self-directed investor. If you involve financial advisors in your investment journey, their fees will lead up too much of your dividend income. It is also important that you know exactly what you are invested in and why you are invested in it. Investment advisors will want to put your money in a fund, which means you lose control of your money and cease to understand where and what your money is invested in. Recognize that no one cares as much about your money as you do if you're not sure about how to find financially strong stocks, go to my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com for some insights and how to identify and acquire the best stocks for your portfolio. Question number five. Do I need to pay for services to help me invest. All the services you need to invest in financially strong stocks, paying high dividends, exist and are easily accessible. To find strong stocks, you can use such free research tools as are supplied in the Yahoo Finance website. To buy stocks, you need an account with a financial institution that processes your stock orders. The bank you now use may be able to offer such a service. Whether you are buying $100 or $100,000 worth of a share, these institutions should charge you nothing or less than $10 for every stock order they process. Recognizing the complexity and the importance of what they are doing, their charges are almost irrelevant, especially if your intention is to own these stocks for decades. The financial institutions handle the transaction instantly 
and security. You get immediate confirmation that you're now the owner of the stock. Selling a stock is just as easy. Many of these institutions also offer free investment videos and other investment educational aids. Some provide seminars that will answer any of your questions by telephone or by email. I am wondering if your question really is, do I need to pay a financial advisor to buy stocks? No, you do not need a financial advisor. Furthermore, as a self-directed investor, you will have greater control over your investments and save yourself perhaps tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over a lifetime of investing. Most advisors offer their services for an annual percentage of the value of your portfolio, plus any additional transaction fees for everything they touch on your behalf. To inflate their fees, you will find some of the greedier ones putting through dozens of questionable investment transactions each month. It is not unusual to see 1% to 4% of your wealth being transferred from your investment account by them each and every year. While these percentages may seem small, on a million dollar portfolio, this would be $10,000 to $40,000 for perhaps a few hours of their time each year. Self-directed investors take responsibility for their investment activity. They only need to spend a limited amount of time it takes to learn how to sort out the good investments from the bad investments. My first investment book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing, was inspired by an 82-year-old widow, a friend who came to me for help after her portfolio had lost $300,000 in value while in the hands of an investment advisor. This advisor was making almost as much from her portfolio as she was receiving from it to live on. She had real concerns about living her life savings. I showed her how easy it was to manage her own portfolio as a self-directed investor. She soon recovered all that she had lost and doubled her monthly investment income. Now that she did not have a parasitic advisor eating up much of her dividend income, she pushed me to write a book showing others what I had shown her. If an 82-year-old widow with limited investment experience and computer experience can learn to successfully manage her own dividend investment portfolio, so can you. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. Thank you.